0: On a Sunday morning in Las Vegas. I'm Spencer The Wiz, and this is Out of Line. Soon we will be in the new Fox Sports studio every Sunday at 8 on Fox Sports Radio 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Las Vegas flagship station of the Vegas Golden Knights and sister station of Raiders Nation Radio. For this week alone, I'll be at my apartment. Brian is in Costa Rica, Magnum is in the new studio, and guest Chris Wynn will be at his house, I think. And the, the we, as I just kind of mentioned, also includes producer Chris Magnum-Chapman, who aside from producing and being a part of a lot of shows at Lotus Broadcasting, Mag also serves as the locker room reporter for the Las Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network, and the host of the UNOV football pre-pre-game show on our other sister station, ESPN Radio Las Vegas We are also streaming the show on LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and on Twitch. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Twitter at Out of Line Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp. studio line with OnQ Financial is (laughs) 702-876-1340.
1: Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's
0: on Tap. What's on Tap is brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. With OnQ Financial, whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp. is the company to turn to for all your home financing needs. Call 702-964-5720. Residential Bank Corp. with OnQ Financial, funding America one neighborhood at a time. On Tap. The Vegas Golden Knights' Paul Cotter gets his day with the Stanley Cup. The Aces lock up the number one seed uh, for the playoffs. You know, Vied, uh, football did win their season home opener, and the Raiders do have their 54-man roster. There's uh, You get an extra spot, we'll explain, or for they do for now. And who will be on the practice squad? And the NFL season opener is this Thursday with the showdown between the Super Bowl-winning champions from last year, Kansas City Chiefs and the Detroit Lions. That's what's on tap. If you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own, choose a company you can trust. Residential Bancorp with OnQ Financial, funding America one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 for details on current mortgage programs being offered in Nevada. All right so we can get started with the show here first thing I want to ask is Magnum because I know he is in the new studios and I I'm just dying to know how do those studios look I can't wait to get there next week Well
2: well Spence it looks it looks really good um, you know this is the last studio that we have here that's um, been I'll say renovated um, but updated is probably a better a better way to to describe it but uh, yeah it looks good I'm sure you guys will like it when you pop in. Uh, one correction, there no longer is a UNLV pre uh, pre show, so I'm now hosting a show called Throw the Flag from 9 to 11 every Sunday morning. We're at the Golden Circle at the TI Sportsbook inside the TI Free Parking, by the way, uh, with Lindsey Brown from Raider Nation Radio. So uh, if you like this show or you like Raider Nation Radio and you like Lindsey and you hate me or you, you like me and hate Lindsey, it doesn't matter, tune in and uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get you through your Saturday morning.
0: Yeah, well, free parking, that's a rarity nowadays in Las Vegas. And I don't think anybody would know that more than our guest today, Chris Wynn. Uh, He does get around Las Vegas. Feels like the only time I get to talk to you is when we're live on air, Chris. But uh, how are you doing today?
3: I'm doing great, Wiz. Good to join you on a Sunday morning as it is a glorious uh, Sunday morning. The sun is out. Uh, It's been a wild weekend, right, from a weather standpoint. But uh, don't let – Mags also – Add to his duties as well, too. He's one of the premier spotters whiz in the Mountain West Conference without question, as uh, he was doing the game uh, yesterday as well, too, for the yeah, that's, that's uh, unlv always fun. Bryant game as well, too.
2: It's always fun getting the, <laughs> getting to sit in with Russ and Caleb, who, you know, it's amazing. Caleb's knowledge of football is, is really, obviously, it's, it's very good because he played quarterback at D1 right. University, and he, he was in camp with an NFL team, so... Uh, obviously, a really a really good knowledge of the game. So, being able to sit in with him and Russ and listen to them in person is always a treat. Um, Russ, of course, does a great job with the Aviators and, and UNLV football. But uh, yeah, it's it's cool. You know, I it, it it's a very different way to watch the game because you're focused on on certain aspects as opposed to you know I like to watch the play open up, watch, watch what the receivers are doing. But when you're spotting, you focus in on the the, the ball. Really, you watch the ball, mm-hmm. and that's it. It doesn't matter what's going on away from the ball. You have to follow what's going on with the ball. And uh, yeah, rebels with a great start yesterday. So one and zero in the Barry Odom era. I'm very excited about that. Oh,
3: and yeah. uh, Mags pointed out was an interesting note too. They did play Bryant yesterday. This is a East Coast school, Smithfield, Rhode Island, which was a long time home. Of the New England Patriots, who had their training camp there, but uh, Mag pointed out, of course, that there's a couple New Jersey kids out of that team, and I happened to go to uh, to high school for a year and also college in Massachusetts. And I have a couple buddies that I, and uh, and girlfriends of mine that uh, went to Bryant University as well, too. So, so some some local ties. There's always something that that ties things together, right? When these obscure teams make the trip out here to Las Vegas, yeah. It was a yeah you bit know
0: surprised. what? Let's, let's go ahead. And uh, let's talk about UNOV. We might as well. We were going to talk about it. Okay. We we're going to talk about, um, you know, the Golden Knights first. But we can jump into UNOV. It was an interesting game yeah. yesterday. I'll quickly give my notes before I jump it over to you guys. Um, you know, it's Brian. So it's like, how excited can you really get is like kind of my main issue with it yesterday. Like, there's no real big takeaways. The run game looked good. That's one thing I will say for sure, that the way that it's just designed, it looks like there's going to be a more consistent running attack for this UNOV football team. But you know, defensively, it's just like you saw Brian didn't really have any like playmakers. And to be honest with you, it's kind of weird to consider them division one. It's like, how is Brian in the same division as like a team like Alabama in college football? But that's just kind of how it works. Um, so the run game was good. And one thing I'll say is, to be honest with you, Doug Brumfield, I don't think looked all that good yesterday. I thought I was kind of expecting another leap for him when it came to the passing attack. And I thought he overthrew some really big plays. And if this program's ever going to get to a bowl game, you need a quarterback who can make some of those plays. I knew you, I watched the game, but I knew you guys were there, so you guys did a different perspective. So we'll go one at a time. You know, what are your guys' impressions you know, from the new regime here uh, you know, for UNLV? I don't I know, if do you want to go first? Start. Yeah, I was going to say no, that, Chris, I can you can go. Yeah, yeah. so mean,
3: look, uh, what, a way, so what a way, right, to, uh, to kick off the season right out of the gate, gentlemen, as uh, you know, they take the opening kickoff uh, 69. Or excuse me, not the opening kickoff. The first play from scrimmage, 69 yards to the house to kind of get the Barry Odom era started here at UNLV. But uh, I'll kind of echo a little bit of your sentiment there, Wiz. When it comes to when it comes to the quarterback position, look, uh, outside of uh, the nice touchdown, the signature touchdown run that Doug Brumfield had in the game, and and a, and a couple of solid throws as well too, and uh, and plays. It was not a great statistical outing. For him, so he's going to look to kind of improve on that. Um, no question that uh, the competition level was uh, something to uh, left to be desired. Let's put it that way. When it <laughs> comes to the Bryant Bulldogs, we're talking about a team that's out of the Big South, and uh, as you pointed out, Wiz, this is uh, you know there's a, a number of schools that are trying to make the jump to the Division One level. And uh, they're very – it's very early on, right? And Bryant is one of those schools that, that is doing this. So if you're UNLV, you can't get too excited about uh, getting a win like this uh, over a team like Bryant because uh, it's just a matter of, you know, seven days. It's going to be a very different situation for this UNLV team as they head up to Ann Arbor and the Big House and take on the number two team in the country. But uh, I think Barry Odom is uh, a solid start for this team against a team you're expected to beat. Now, obviously, you guys know the deal. When it comes to college football, there's always going to be things to look at to improve, and there's no question that UNLV is going to have to improve from a defensive standpoint in the next uh, – not just the matchup against Michigan next week, but in the next few games against the likes of Vanderbilt and UTEP. As far as from a defensive standpoint, you cannot give up 400-plus yards to uh, to those uh, – well, they, they very well could, but – Uh, giving up 400 yards to the likes of Bryant is something that I'm sure that's concerning to Barry Odom and company. So they're going to look to kind of clean that up a little bit, but uh, overall, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, uh, I don't expect people to get too fired up about a a win over, over the Bulldogs this weekend, but uh, the real test is going to be coming up in the next few weeks when they actually play much tougher competition across the board, both on the road and at
2: home. Well, I don't know what people's expectations are of this team this year, but I, I will say this. You got to win the first one, right? You, you, you can't win them all if you don't win the first one. So I'm not saying you is going to go 12 and oh by any stretch, but <laughs> you know, you, you got to get that first one out of the way, get that first W no pressure now going into next week because Barry Odom's already got that first W under his belt. Uh, look there, there were some really outstanding performances yesterday. The kid that really stood out to me, first of all, uh, first play from scrimmage Vincent Davis goes Vincent Davis Jr uh goes 69 yards to the house uh explosive explosive the funny thing is we weren't even on the air yet when when that um happened because it <laughs> happened so fast into the game first play from scrimmage but uh the kid that stood out to me on the offensive side of the ball more so on special teams was Jacob DeJesus. he's yes. a kid from Atlanta 100%. um 98-yard kickoff return tackled at the two-yard line. Almost housed that. That would have been spectacular. Um, look, there, there, DeRay Williams on the defensive side of the ball had himself a game. He had a sack, a couple pass breakups. But as you mentioned, Doug Brumfield really wasn't asked to do a whole lot. But what he was asked to do, he did more so with his legs than with his arm. Not a very good game throwing the ball for Doug Brumfield. He missed Ricky White, who was wide open in the end zone. Should have been a touchdown, overthrew him a little bit. White, with a spectacular grab, almost pulls it down, but nonetheless comes out out of bounds. He missed him earlier on that drive as well. He had his man beat. Look, if UNLV is going to be successful, they're obviously going to need to run the ball very well. But you're going to need Doug Brumfield to make plays for you with his arm, which we've seen in the past two years he's certainly capable of. And I don't know what, what the offensive plan is going to be going forward. I like the fact that they ran a lot of no huddle very quick to the line offensively. But look, I mean, we're, we're, we'll see going forward what, what this team does. I don't really think next week is going to be a good um, test for, for to see how good this team is. I'm more concerned about two weeks when a bottom-feeding SEC team comes to Las Vegas in the Vanderbilt Commodores. Remember, this is a team UNLV went to Nashville and beat a few years ago under um, Marcus Arroyo. So Vanderbilt now comes out to Vegas in two weeks. I think that's going to be a good litmus test to see if this team is 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 going to be competitive in the Mountain West or not. Because hey, if you could if you could beat Vanderbilt or you could put play a good game against Vanderbilt, you're certainly going to be able to play a good game against the likes of Reno, Colorado State, Air Force, maybe not Air Force. Uh, New Mexico whoever else you're playing in the conference
0: yeah it, um, pretty interesting game and I know like I guess we just have to at least mention it I mean it's going to happen next week you know if he does go play Michigan and I don't I, there's no reason for optimism right I mean can we just like get that out of the way right now we saw what happened to Reno when they played USC I don't know if it'll be worse probably a little bit uh, than what they faced but you know thoughts on next week are. At least expectations for what you wish to see UNLV against Michigan do
3: well. It's funny, right, Wiz and Mags? What do you mean by optimism, right? When you think about this matchup, uh, do they keep it within a few touchdowns, right? It's going to be uh, uh, definitely an electric atmosphere there, even even though they're playing UNLV. And I'm, look, I'm not trying to you know take a shot at, at the Rebels, but but uh, it's it's uh, it's it's actually a step down. From the East Carolina game that Michigan played this week. So, uh, and obviously, because of Jim Harbaugh being suspended for the game, and I don't know if you guys saw the antics that went down with this Michigan team treating Jim Harbaugh, who was, it was a self imposed suspension by the University of Michigan. And then you got players going out there with free Harbaugh on their t shirts, like, you know, like he's somehow being, you know, wrongly persecuted as the head coach there. But that being said, I mean they're going to still be motivated, right? The Wolverines are going to come out and look to uh, to make a statement uh, against the likes and the running rebel and the rebels just happen to be the team that they're going to be facing next week. So yeah, when you, when we talk about optimism, I don't necessarily know if that's a great word to use when we talk about this matchup between the Wolverines and the Rebels. But uh, you would you would think that if uh, Barry Odom and company can come out of Ann Arbor being respectable and and keeping it within uh, within shouting distance at least, I think that could be a good thing for the Rebel football program moving
0: forward. Chris, uh, other Chris, I should say. <laughs> it's always okay. so weird to me. Uh, thoughts on next week against Michigan and what you hope to see from this football team?
2: Look, there's a reason why Michigan is ranked number two in the country. They're, they're mm-hmm. a really damn good team. Uh, went to the national playoffs last year. I don't even know what they call it, the semifinals. I Something like that, but they're 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 number 2 for a reason and I, and I saw someone taking a shot oh they only beat east carolina by 27 i don't care you know what you yeah. you dominated the yeah. game i i guess it was ohio state fans trying to say oh well their their win over indiana was more impressive than michigan's win over east carolina look i was supposed to go to the game next week some things came up and and i'm not traveling to michigan for that game but would have been would have been special to see a game at the big house uh, i went to Notre Dame last year one of the obviously most storied Um, places in all of college football that was an incredible it was almost like an out-of-body experience going to a football game at Notre Dame Chris I know you're a Michigan State guy but you grew up in in not too far from Ann Arbor Uh, I was going to make a stop in Ypsilanti just to say that I've been to Eastern Michigan University uh, but that did did not uh, transpire but look next week I I think you want to you want to be respectable that's that's the key don't get don't go up there and get your ass kicked like just be respectable no one's expecting you to go in there and beat Michigan. I'm sure Barry Odom's telling his guys they can go in there and beat Michigan. But from a media and, and fan standpoint, I don't really think anyone's expecting this team to go in there and, and shock the world and, and pull off one of the greatest upsets in in college football over the last few years. Uh, it, it's, it's a process. It's going to take time to build the program. But what, what I've liked so far is Barry Odom's commitment to building the team within the community he donates tickets to local high school athletes here in Las Vegas. He wants them involved. This is the community's team, and, and, you know, look, that's that's how you build a program. You don't build a program by beating Michigan and then losing the next three or four games. You build a program from the bottom up, and that's what Barry Odom's trying to do. So, like I said, just be respectable next week. Go in there and, and, and play your ass off, and, hey, you know what? If, if you keep it within a couple, you know, a touchdown or two, I think everyone's going to come out of that saying, hey, you know what? This is this UNLV team is a lot better than than we anticipated.
0: And uh, just just now, I just want to say that Brian is joining us, I believe. So I think he is set up always a little bit hard with technical things. But, Brian, we are wrapping up a little bit on UNLV football. (laughs) Things kind of went that way. We'll talk about the Golden Knights next. I know that you had a little bit to say about that. So I was kind of waiting for you. But UNLV did get a big win yesterday uh, and I don't know how much of the game you got to see. I know you were on vacation, Brian, but just maybe your initial thoughts on this UNLV team, especially after, you know, like almost like a practice squad victory against Bryant this week.
1: Yeah, the technical difficulties were, uh, I don't know, you guys hearing me okay?
0: We got you. Absolutely. Okay,
1: good. The technical difficulties were uh, my friends decided to make the plane reservation home at exactly 9 o'clock our time tomorrow morning here in Costa Rica. And because of that, you have to check Check into Southwest exactly 24 hours in advance. So exactly when the show started is when I had to check in. (laughs) And you have to put in all this damn information. So it wasn't so much the technical issues as it was a bad timing on the flight. But uh, other than that, all good, man. Yeah, I didn't see the UNLV game at all. I watched a few highlights online and I read about the game. And I mean, to start off where you get uh, Vincent Davis Jr run for a 69-yard 69 69 score right off the get-go, and the kid doesn't even get 100 yards. I think he had two touchdowns. I don't know how that happens, number one. Doug Brumfield threw for <laughs> under 100 yards in the game. Um, it scares me. I, From I, what I read and I saw, it doesn't look like they played that great against a, a, a major lesser like in Bryant. And going to U of M next week, I don't care if, if uh, my son's coaching the team. Um, I I see a 30-point win over to UNLV, and I'm not trying to be pessimistic. You're talking about the number two team ranked in the country, and I don't know know that that one week is enough time to uh, make UNLV any better than they are. And on top of that, you can't add any personnel to play against Michigan. So a huge tough road in front of them. But as far as yesterday's game go, yeah, it's a nice win, a a, a big double-digit win. But I think everyone expected that, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, so we'll see, you know, it'll be cool. It's going to be a great experience for them. This is something I'm excited about for this UNLV program who, you know, just hasn't really played a lot of great competition. The best games that we look forward to usually on the calendar is, you know, someone in the mountain West. So it's cool to see that they're at least branching out. They're taking on the challenge. I think losing and losing really badly, it just helps put things in perspective for these players to see how much further they have to go. And I think that's how you build a great program. So we'll quickly jump over to Nightcap. Nothing, um, you know, too wild to talk about. But obviously, always want to, you know, mention them to every show and do a little bit of talk here. So let's go with Nightcap.
1: Hockey players, as you know, are warriors.
3: They don't give up. They come to play every game.
2: It's time for Nightcap. A cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here.
0: Yeah, the puck does start here and, you know, the, uh, the Stanley Cup is making its way around and Paul Cotter was the lucky recipient of it this week. It's always cool to see these, you know, they take them to their hometowns and show them to their families and it's a pretty cool experience. One thing i would just say, like, this is my takeaway for the week from the Golden Knights and that how lucky we are to have this team. How many teams, even after winning like Super Bowls or championships, are marred with like drama This team has not only won a Stanley Cup, but they look like, you know, all the pieces are in place. We're not talking about any controversies. These guys are, you know, just having a great time and they look poised to go into next season because we know how short the offseason can be after you win a championship in sports. So, Brian, any takeaways, like major takeaways from, you know, Paul Cotter's reign with the Stanley Cup or I guess just with the Golden Knights this week?
1: Well, no, that's what I wanted to say. You know, it was really cool to see Paul Cotter get an opportunity with the Stanley Cup. Um, you know, his name is on the Cup. The guy was an integral part of this Stanley Cup championship season, as Mags will probably say as well. The guy, um, the guy just, uh, you know, is, is a solid player that is somebody that I think is going to be around for a while. He was just one of the odd men out in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, you know, the bottom line is they just had too many good guys on the roster with experience and and guys they felt would get the job done better than Paul Cotter. But I still think they would have won the Cup if Paul Cotter had been on the ice, and I think he's part of the future. It was cool. He took the Stanley Cup, really humble, relaxing day. He basically spent the day with his family at, I think, his parents' house with the Stanley Cup, and that's how he spent his day with the Cup. Pretty cool with that. And, uh, real quickly, Spence, to, to add on what you're saying, I think this is you know, obviously one of the odds-on favorite. Figures to repeat as Stanley Cup champions next year. I think all the pieces are in place. The fact that they were able to retain Aiden Hill after the run he had, and you still have Logan Thompson. Now you got two goaltenders one now was Stanley Cup playoff experience at, t- at the very highest level and another that you think is an up-and-coming you know potential star goaltender in the league in Logan Thompson I think that's gigantically key and I think getting people like Barbashev uh, it w- was it was gigantic you know uh, Riley Smith I know the departure really has upset a lot of people It's funny to talk to more and more people and they are upset about that and they get to be more upset when I say Jonathan Marshall will not be a Vegas Golden night to start the 2024 season. It's it's professional sports. Uh, uh, change is inevitable, and it's and it's consistent. But this team, I think, is geared up to win right now, and uh, and and I think their window, you know, it's not it's not big by any means, but I think it's big enough for one or two more runs at the Stanley cup right now, maybe more depending on, you know, what they do in the future. Uh, Mag say, you know, your thoughts on that. And, uh, and also Chris Wynn, I'd like to hear what you guys think, uh, because I think the golden Knights, like I said, I can't imagine them not being the favorites to repeat, although there's some great competition. in the league, But what we saw this year, I don't think was in any way, a fluke. It's been a game plan since day one with this team, the vision of, uh, you know, obviously um, uh, of, of uh, you know, of Bill Foley. And then, of course, to see what, you know, the people he hired in George McPhee, Kelly McCrimmon right now, this team is just geared to continue to go forward and do well, at least for the near future.
2: Yeah, I, I think, you know, in the short term, this is a team that, that probably still has some, some sand left in the hourglass to, to make another run, to try to win another Stanley Cup. Uh, that window, unfortunately, as we've seen in the NHL, tends to close pretty quickly. Um, look, there's going to be competition in the Western Conference. Colorado, I certainly think, will certainly be back. Um, you know, probably a very disappointing season from their perspective. Seattle's going to be much improved. The Kings, well, I feel like they, they got worse by adding Pierre-Luc Dubois, certainly they're not going away. They're going to be in, in the mix in the Pacific. Edmonton, can they find a way to take another step? They, they, they signed Xavier Bouchard to a, a deal and get him locked up. Uh, a really good player for them. Look, I mean, as far as this team repeating, it's not common for teams to repeat in the Stanley in, in the NHL. There's been so few teams over the last 25, 30 years that have done so. Um, the, the days of the Islanders winning four in a row or the Oilers winning six in whatever it was, 10 years. I mean, it, it seems like it's it's a million miles away from today's NHL. The players are better. There's a lot more competition coming over from Europe. So certainly there's going to be teams gunning for the Golden Knights. And, and I'm going to be curious because I'd like to get the, the thoughts on guys like Jonathan Marchessault. on – look, you guys, you especially, have been on the end of losing a Stanley Cup final and winning a Stanley Cup final. What motivates you more coming into the season? Do you Do you – was it you don't want to experience losing in the playoffs again or do you want to experience winning – the Stanley Cup again, like, what? what's more of a driving factor for you? And, look, I mean, we've, we've seen guys like Alex Petrangelo, Alec Martinez. They helped their original or their their organizations in St. Louis and Los Angeles win their first Stanley Cup, respectively. Now they come here and they help the Golden Knights win theirs. Phil Kessel, he, he, he says he's supposedly willing to, to take a discount and he's willing to break the Ironman streak to, 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 to come back and have an opportunity to maybe win another Stanley Cup. I think if that's an opportunity for the Golden Knights and Phil Kessel's dangling out there, look, he's a good player. He's still good. And if 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 they can get him back and and he's willing to be a part-time guy, I think that's a that's a win for the Golden Knights because what's lost on this is what a guy like that brings to the locker room. And I'm going to be curious to see what they do going forward. Training camp opens up in about 2 weeks. VGK Insider Show comes back on Wednesday. So Hockey season's coming. It's it's right around the corner. Very short off season, but I'll tell you guys, I much prefer this off season to what we experienced last off season. I would agree Yeah, a couple quick points. Chris, oh, yeah. Hey
1: Chris, no I, I just want to say to Chris Winks. I want you to come yeah. in. Chris, you know, what Chris Chris Chapman just pointed out, is what we experienced in Detroit. You know, the longest run of any team in history making the postseason. And we're watching the Golden Knights. Yeah, they had one season where they lapsed because of all the injuries uh, two years ago. But this is a team that reminds me of that Red Wings team, Chris. They keep refueling, and it's a team that is geared and made up to make the postseason year in and year out. And as Chris, Chris Chapman just said, The window is short. You know, we've seen it in professional sports, but the window for the Golden Knights might be open for a little while. Like I could see another five or six years with this team, especially now with you know shoring up their netminder situation.
3: No question about it. And you want to talk about consistency? You look at the the amount of series wins for teams the NHL in the past five years. The Tampa Bay Lightning are number one with eleven wins, and then right behind them, the Vegas Golden Knights with eight eight series wins. So. That shows the consistency this team has been able to put forth. But a couple points real quick on the Golden Knights. Look, it is going to be uh, an extremely intriguing situation when you talk about the guys between the pipes going into the season. Now, I understand Aiden Hill obviously had a tremendous postseason, but, uh, you know, Logan Thompson's still there. And so I I don't necessarily know if it's just Aiden Aiden Hill is the guy for sure and that uh, that's not a, a job that is necessarily could be open. To the likes of Logan Thompson and even Brichois. So uh, it's going to be for, for a team that has just won the Stanley Cup. I can't remember in, in recent history uh, having such a question mark at, uh, at the goaltending position. Also, uh, you talked, uh, also interesting too, Aiden Hill is super cool to see him at uh, midfield for the UNLV game yesterday. Everybody remembers, of course, uh, him sporting the uh, Larry Johnson UNLV jersey at the parade. He was uh, uh, had the coin toss. Uh, for the UNLV Bryant game last night. As to uh, Paul Cotter, also, I talked to our colleague and uh, longtime Golden Knights uh, uh, journalist uh, Steve Carp at the game yesterday, and we talked about Paul Cotter because there's the expectation that he does make take the step and becomes uh, a guy that solidifies himself in the bottom six forwards at least of this uh, of, of this team. And uh, Brian Feldman, you just talked about it. Uh, you know, he was, he was a guy that was, that was uh, definitely a producer during the regular season for the Vegas Golden Knights. And, of course, in the playoffs, he was just the odd man out and just didn't have any kind of impact whatsoever when it came to the Stanley Cup playoffs and the run to the Stanley Cup. So, while it was great to see uh, our fellow Michigander, it all comes back to Michigan, right, Brian Feldman? As, uh, you know, Paul Cotter is, is a Detroit guy as well, too, getting a chance to uh, take the Stanley Cup home to Detroit, but uh, uh, it has to be kind of a little, a little damper for him not, uh, not being able to really to have an impact right on that Stanley Cup winning team of a uh, year ago when it came to the postseason. So, hopefully, Paul's able to kind of uh, make more of a stamp this year in 23 24 for the Golden Knights.
1: No, I think he will, Chris. I think that uh, Paul is in the, fu- the future plans of this team. He's just a gritty guy. He's a guy that will go into the corner. He gets the puck, and I know he's one of he's one of Magnum's favorites, as he is mine as well. Uh, you know, and being from, from uh, you know, a Michigan guy, of course, I like him a lot. And uh, real quickly, the goaltender, you mentioned Lauren Bross. why wow, he's on the Winnipeg Jets now, but, right, yeah. um, but we still have, you know, I, you know, you, we we have we're three goaltenders deep solid right now mm-hmm. with the with the Vegas Golden Knights. I I like the future of this team. I think all of us do. And um you know, I don't think anyone talking on this thing or watching or listening to the to the broadcast today would be at least bit surprised if the Golden Knights repeat as Stanley Cup champions. And that would be so cool. Way way ahead of ourselves now, but that would be so incredibly <laughs> cool considering that would be their 7th year in the season and uh Four Stanley Cup or three Stanley Cup finals and uh, and, and two championships. championships in seven years. I mean, unprecedented, unheard of, and just incredible. Hey, Spence, uh, go ahead sorry. and move on to the next one, brother.
0: Yeah, so let's go ahead and let's jump over to. Um, I was thinking what, it's, we would be remiss if we did not mention this Colorado game because it truly was an incredible feat. You know, TC, TC goes down and completely unexpected. Um, and they just made it happen. And Deion Sanders, like, got on, you know, not going to say he got on his high horse. I don't think that's, like, the correct description. But, man, this guy is operating on a different level. His son had 500 yards or passing. Travis Hunter was playing both sides of the football, which was just, like, you know, just not something that you just ever see in football. Uh, I don't even know, like, in history. I guess I can't go that far back. But, obviously, really, really cool to see the guy get an interception and 100 yards receiving in the same game. I don't know what to like. I don't know how far this can go. I mean, this these are the runner-ups to the national championship last year. This guy builds his team essentially through the transfer portal, a smaller school like you know Colorado. Just not something you would ever uh, you know expect. He had a lot of doubters. I don't know how many he had because a lot of people in Vegas seem to be smashing the money line for Colorado. So I think that a large part of the nation was behind him. But, you know, Dion's just one of those guys who, like, I think gets fueled by hatred a little bit or just, like, anybody who detects him, you know, detracts him. And he was, like, calling out reporters after the game. But, you know, Chris Wynn, I'll start with you because this game took me by storm. I don't know if I was necessarily, like, had it circled on my calendar, but – once you hear the rumblings of it, like, like I did on social media, I was like, okay, well, I have to check into this game now, or else I'm like not a football fan. So, what were your takeaways on this? Just absolutely, un- I don't know if it's unexpected, but true, like definitely incredible win from Colorado yesterday. Yeah,
3: look, we get it. We understand this isn't a situation in which it was like an App State right or a Troy State going, uh, you know, and getting a-, a win over a Power Five school. We're talking about the Buffaloes. You've got a new head coach there that there's so much excitement around, surrounding primetime as the new head coach there. But this is a Buffalo team that's now going back to the Big 12. So that, I mean, look, I'm not going to get too crazy about it. But, yeah, it was a big win for them. Uh, Tough sledding, by the way, for a couple teams in the Big 12 when you have Colorado knocking off the Horn Frogs at TCU. And then you had that uh, late-night game last night, guys. I don't know if you caught it, where the Wyoming Cowboys out of the Mountain West get the win in a uh, multiple overtime excursion uh, against the likes of Texas tech. So, uh, but yeah, look, there's excitement in Boulder and rightfully so. And, uh, you know, I'm sure Mike Pritchard and, and Jeremy Bloom and company are all getting fired up because, you know, you got a new sheriff in town in you know, Deion Sanders, who's, a, you know, not only is a, is a solid football coach, but, you know, you're talking about a guy that's uh, that's uh, kind of a lightning rod, right? He's someone who, is, is going to generate a lot of attention just because he's the coach. So that, I think, put a little bit of a stamp on this game. And, uh, yeah, but it was a surprise. I mean, Colorado, was, it, was, it, was, it was a noted upset without question. But, uh, again, I, kind of along the same lines of UNLV, where, like, are you going to get too excited if you're, if, if, if you're the folks up there who are Buffalo fans? Do you, you think now they're going to, you know, start knocking off every team they're, they're, they're not expected to beat? I don't know. You know, I think that uh, there's still going to be kind of a learning curve and uh, a little bit of a transition with Deion Sanders as the head coach there up in Boulder. So uh, while it's a big win for them, I don't necessarily know if it says too much about what they're going to do here in
2: 23-24. Are you kidding me? You know, it doesn't say – dude, they, they yeah, took It's care. one game. One game. I, I, I understand yeah. that. But you look at what Deion Sanders did at Jackson State, a program that yeah. well, they were a doormat. He turned that around really quickly. There's a reason why he was the hottest coach out there going into the season. He completely revamped this Buffalo's lineup. And I like the Jeremy Bloom reference, by the way. <laughs> um, unfortunately, the late yeah. Rashawn Salam, not, not here to see this. But mm-hmm. look, Mike Pritchard, our, our, our buddy, he played with Prime in Atlanta. And he's, yeah. a, he's a, he was part of that Buffalo's national title team in 1990. So, uh, look, this is a program that, that has a history – Unfortunately, their recent history is that of a, of a patsy, but, but there's no reason to think that Deion can't get this turned around and turned around this season. I mean, the, the team I saw yesterday, look, and, and, and TCU, the last two games they've played, actually, let's go, let's go back to the Michigan game as well, their defense has been trash. So, I mean, it, it's a huge win. His kid, Deion's son, getting the job done at quarterback. There were a lot of question marks about him. I don't know the, the, the name of the number, number three He's a spark plug, Dylan. this kid. Dylan I mean, he's
1: Edwards. he's yeah. tiny. Yeah, Dylan Edwards.
2: He's like he's like five six, but he's getting yeah. the job yeah. done. Um, look, I think Colorado is is going to be a team that is in a bowl game at the end of the season. That's my prediction. I don't know if it's a hot take, but the Buffaloes will be in a bowl game. Maybe even the Las Vegas Bowl, which would be really cool because hey. bring bring hey. Prime to the Strip.
1: Hey guys, <laughs> listen, I, I got to say right here. This is a huge, monumental win for Colorado. This is a Buffalo team that won one game last year and they just beat the team that played in the national championship game guys that i and chris i agree uh chris chapman with you as far as the defense goes tcu's defense was trash but they were playing the best team in the country in in the last game before yesterday and here they play a one-win team there's not a soul that expected to see what they saw yesterday Yes, it was a shootout, but um, is it Shader that he, Shader? How he pronounces his name, Deion Son. I- 510 yards and four flipping touchdowns? Are you kidding me? In his debut with Colorado? And Dylan Edwards, Deion Sanders going back, taking an old Holy Cross page out of the book of Gordy Lockbaum and getting a two-way player for his team. A guy that 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 you know look at his receiving alone, five receptions, 135 <laughs> yards, and three touchdowns. This kid is ridiculous. Gordy Lockbaum, a guy that played at a little school, Holy Cross, was a two-time Heisman candidate. What is this kid gonna be? How does Deion Sanders in his first year go out and find this kind of talent and not be scared at a D1 high level to have a guy go both ways? I'll tell you what, Deion Sanders, I'm not going to say he's reinventing anything, but he is innovative, and I agree with what Chris Chapman said 100%. This guy is- the reason, there is a reason he was one of the hottest prospective coaches out there. Dion is doing something-, something spectacular magical. Yes, Chris Wynn, to your point, one game. Can't can't argue that. But it's not just one game when you're playing a team that played in the national championship game last year. You won one game. They played in the championship game. And you beat them in a shootout like that in game one. If I'm a Colorado Buffalo fan, alumni, enthusiast, I am so jacked right now. It's not funny. I am like, wow, how cool is this? And you've got primetime coaching your team. And he's not just a primetime player, guys. It looks like Deion Sanders is also a primetime head coach in Colorado college football
3: mags and whiz we've got Jeremy Bloom references we've got Gordy Lockbaum going back to the 80s and the Heisman race baby for Holy Cross I love
1: it Chris last two-way player I remember I mean I don't remember any two-way player since Gordy Lockbaum having any kind of you know influence on his team to be that Gordy Lockbaum was by far the best player on that Holy Cross team I'm guessing Dylan Edwards might be the best player College football, if he's playing two ways starting mm-hmm. and having this kind of success, watch out for this kid, man. I know he is a gnat, but so is Tariq Hill and look what he's doing in the NFL.
2: Well, and then Jeremy yeah. Bloom of a two sport star, uh, yep. just not the two sports a lot of people would would think about. He was <laughs> he was an Olympic skier yeah, as well as, he as a wide receiver yep. who who he had a Good. cup of coffee in the NFL. So uh yes. pretty 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 interesting uh, reference there, but Jeremy Bloom—one of those guys that if you're if you're old like us, you remember that guy. You,
3: you and his sister ran a, a pretty good card game down in L.A. too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Spence, uh,
1: move! I, I know we got to we got head on out. There. I'm I'm real glad you talked about the Colorado game. So exciting down here! Everybody was talking about it, and here I am in Costa Rica, and people are talking about college football. So you talk about an impact, and all I kept hearing from the people. You know, the people from the United States that were down here talking play. about college football yesterday was Deion Sanders, Dion Sanders. So is it big? It's primetime, man. It's primetime all over again in a different light. Spence, how about the Ra- Well, I just wanted to say before you talk to the Raiders, you know, I don't know if you guys mentioned the Aces at the beginning of the show or not, but you got you to take your hats off to this Aces team. Becky Hammonds, Asia Wilson, Kelsey Plum, Jackie Jackie Young, these girls are playing tremendous basketball game with With three, two games still to go yesterday by beating, you know, beating a, a really bad team. They uh, just locked up first the number one seed in the WN play playoffs. I am worried about the New York Liberty, but this team is primed to repeat again. And again, I'm way ahead of myself, but how cool would it be? The Aces repeat followed by the, Las- the Vegas Golden Knights repeat in the same back-to-back year. I mean, you want to talk about Vegas making a splash on the sports scene, baby. It's happening right now, but... But, uh, but, Spence, you know, the Aces, uh, you got to give credit where credit is due. This has been a remarkable season, and it's amazing how many games they've won with only 40 games on the schedule.
0: Yeah, and I think we'll have more of an opportunity to do a, to do a retrospective on the Aces when their season wraps up, but no doubt. I think I don't even know if we mentioned it. I believe Asia Wilson had a 50-point game, which, you know, in the WNBA with shorter quarters 53. is just extremely difficult to do. She's operating on a completely different level, you know, Our our previous coach, I'll just leave it at that, I don't want to talk too much into it, wouldn't let her shoot a single three, and now she's like getting screens to get spot up on the wings for threes, which she could shoot threes in college, I don't know why, you know, Bill Ambeer was a little bit, uh, he just wanted to run an offense like the 1990s, but we have a full-blown, you know, modern offense, and they're just high-flying, but it's going to come down to the Liberty, it just kind of feels like a, you know, a one-stop shop, like these are the two best teams, and they'll face each other, but...
1: At least Bill Embiid didn't spit out Asia Wilson, right? Well, I think think
0: she'd prefer to take that by winning multiple championships. (laughs) All right, we got to jump over. Unfortunately, uh, we are running a little bit out of time here because I want to spend a lot of time talking about the Raiders. There's so much that we could go over. Uh, I think I'll probably start here, though, with a guy on the graphic, and that is Josh McDaniels. I'll quickly say what I think, because we really haven't had the time. with The last roster came out, right, the 54 man is going to be 53 soon. Uh, Josh uh, Jacobs, you know, was like exempt, so he had an extra spot. They'll cut somebody soon, but, you know, the, the roster pretty much has come out now. We kind of understand what the shape of this team is. We're going to talk about three position groups in a second, but we'll start here with the head coach position, and that is Josh McDaniels. I'll be honest with you, the worst things that he did last year were decision based, in game decision making. Going for it against two against the Chiefs is like one of the most notable ones. You know, not making second half adjustments, those things are very important. But I'll say this this guy is one of the best offensive schemers in the NFL, which is a rarity to find. You see so many teams stifled by the fact that they cannot run an offense. This guy knows how to do it. The defense, they made a lot of upgrades. Again, we'll talk about that in a second. But I think if this guy can make his decision-making down, this can be a legitimate team. They do happen to play in one of the best divisions in football, if not like the best, I would say, depending on how the Broncos are. Well, last year they were supposed to be. They weren't. I think there's major upgrades across the entire division again last year. So every team from last year is even better. I think Josh McDaniels can be very successful. And I think if they win nine games this year, that would be a success, considering that the division that they play in. A borderline wildcard spot would be a major improvement for this team. And to be honest with you, I think they can make it. There's a couple – there's one position group in particular I think could ruin the entire season for us. But we'll go around the table. What are your guys' impressions of Josh McDaniels? Some fans vitriolically hate him. A lot of fans are excited to see what's happening in the season. What category do you guys fall into? All I'll say
1: first, and I want to hear all you guys' opinions. I'm looking at this. Spencer, you made the point that last year his biggest issue was in-game decision-making. Chris and Chris, I got to believe you agree with me on this. What is more important than, I mean, you know, getting personnel, obviously, but then in-game decision-making, Spencer, that's the most important thing about being a coach is being able to make adjustments. I said it with UNLV, the biggest problem they've had with – maybe up until now, hopefully, is making halftime adjustments. You want to see t- t- a team come out in the second half and play better in the first half to show that they're con- they're, f- they're conforming their play based on the game and what's happening, you know, based on the ebb and flow of what's going on in the game. The Raiders have trouble doing that. And to me, that's monstrous, Spencer. That's the biggest thing of a head coach. You've got to make great in-game decisions. That's where the games are won and lost is in the games. I'm not going to say I'm a Josh McDaniels hater, but it means I agree with you. He's a very good offensive mind. If you're going to be a Bill Belichick understudy, be an offensive understudy. Because defensive understudies, you don't learn anything because Belichick is, is the defensive coordinator. The Patriots always have regardless of the name that's held that title. But when it comes to offensive play, yes, I like what we see in Josh McDaniel. I like his ability. But I think he used Derek Carr as a scapegoat somewhat last year, and I think he's a guy that leans on excuses. I don't like excuses. I like action. This year, to me, nine wins based on everything and based on the offensive pieces in place, I don't think is out of the question. But then again, guys, six wins isn't out of the question either. What do you think, Chris Win.
3: So, Josh McDaniels, the jury's still out on whether or not he is a head coach in this league. I'm sorry. It just is. I'm going to be frank about it. Uh, Seeing the preview yesterday with JT the Brick, Josh, as well as uh, Ziggler, their general manager, obviously they're super excited to get Josh Jacobs back in the fold there from an offensive standpoint. When you have a guy like that in that backfield, I think that can open things up for them offensively. And, look, McDaniels is an offensive guy. You've got Jimmy Garoppolo there, assuming you can keep him healthy for the entire season, and that's kind of a big if. Uh, this can be a team that can put some points on the board. The problem, though, and, and the Wiz just alluded to it, they're up against it in their division. I think all three teams in the division are better than they are. Kansas City is certainly better than they are. The Los Angeles Chargers, I think, are better. And I think right now the Denver Broncos – who are expected to, to to bounce back a little bit here in here in, in this season. I think they're a better football team as well, too. So, look, I understand that the Raiders, I think, from an offensive standpoint, I think can be pretty solid defensively. As Wiz alluded to, they're going to be better defensively. But, uh, I mean, you look at this team, the first eight games, they are underdogs in their first eight games of the season. They might be shorter to underdogs in four, uh, four or five of those games, but they're still underdogs. So it's going to be – I mean, it's going to be a struggle, I think, for the Raiders to come out and have a winning record throughout most of the you know, the first half of the season, and then you're talking about matchups against uh, teams in the division, they're going to be difficult to win. So, I mean, I, look, I don't want to be Debbie Downer here and act like uh, the season's over before it starts, but I, I really do have question marks as far as Josh McDaniels as a head coach in this league, and I think this is a Raiders team that, uh, quite frankly, uh, there's just, they're just a, a whole handful of better teams in the AFC than the Las Vegas Raiders are.
2: Well, I think the Raiders are going to go to Denver and beat the Broncos next week. I, I think the Broncos... First okay. of all, I think Russell Wilson's the most overrated quarterback in the NFL. And, I, I mean, look, I have no skin in the game when it comes to the Raiders. I'm just saying right. that, that I think Russell Wilson is, is unbelievably overrated. He's got no receivers. The Seahawks knew exactly what they were doing when they, when they dumped him on the Broncos. Highway robbery, if you ask me. Look, the Raiders, unfortunately for them... Are one injury away from being a horrific football team, and that injury happens to be the most important position because Jimmy G, as we know, he had he's had a problem staying healthy in his career. I think he's a really good quarterback when he's healthy, but the problem is he 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 has he he seems incapable of playing a full season. I like some of the moves the Raiders made in the off season. I like I like bringing in Michael Mayer. I, I I'm really really high on him. I think defensively they're going to be a lot better than than people anticipate, but. Like Chris pointed out, and, and, and Brian as well, the division's really tough. The Chargers are, are, are a much better team. Uh, don't even get me started on how much better Kansas City is. Yeah. I mean, and, and look, the, the, the one thing that, that might be the saving grace for them in the division, outside of Andy Reid, I mean, I know Sean Payton's in Denver, but like I just alluded to, I think Russell Wilson's overrated. I think he's done. I don't know how much difference Sean Payton's going to make for, for uh, Russell Wilson. And the jury's still out. On, on the coach in Los Angeles. You know, that, that monumental, I, I, I would say, doing something in the bed that they did last year in the playoffs to Jacksonville, the guy's are on the hot seat. So I don't know if, if, if when we're looking at coaches, yeah, you probably go Andy Reid, Sean Payton. Sean Payton doesn't have a quarterback. Andy Reid has that quarterback. So the Raiders certainly, I think they'll be able to compete in division outside of when they play the Chiefs. I mean, look, Sam, the, the, the Chargers, we don't know what we're going to get with them. I mean, we, we know Justin Herbert's a really good quarterback, but do we, do we trust them? Do we trust the Chargers? I don't. So I think the Raiders will, will certainly be battling Denver for third spot. I think the Chargers should be better, but there's no guarantee of that. I, it's going to be interesting. It, it's going to be an interesting season. Like I said, I think they win next week in Denver, and then after that, you see what happens. Certainly not an easy schedule for your Las Vegas Raiders. No, and not Wiz, at you, all. Wiz, you kind of
3: alluded to it, right, Wiz? You you said, so Wiz, you're the Raiders guy right out of the four of us here. Like, you said borderline wildcard team. What does that mean? Does that mean they're not going to make the playoffs? They're going to be outside of getting a card, And that means Josh McDaniels is going to be on the hot seat, right?
0: Well, I'll tell you right now that the six-and-a-half win total for the Raiders is kind of disrespectful. Maybe the, the win total includes, like, a, an injury from Jimmy Garoppolo. Maybe that's, like, into the calculations, but – If you look at this roster, this is not a six and a half win roster. And this is gonna bring, Chris, um, you know, brought it up. Let's go ahead and take a look. I just wanna look at very, very quickly, a few rooms. The first one is the most important. It was alluded to, we've been talking about it a lot. So let's go ahead and get into the first group here. That's the QB room. Now I'm excited for Aiden O'Connell. I'm not gonna go too far into it. I think this kid has a real chance to do something. He looks like he's a really good zip on the ball. You know, the main thing that we're going to talk about this season, obviously, is Jimmy G. And I'm going to be honest with you, I think this is a major upgrade from last year. Now, is there a huge skill gap between Jimmy G and Derek Carr? No, I'm not going to say that. But I think this is a quarterback who fits better into Josh McDaniel's We literally know this, by the way, like because of the <laughs> size we have with Jimmy G and Josh McDaniel's. Um, I think that. The problem with the Raiders, you know, following, you know, Derek Carr had his MVP season. I'll call it MVP. He would have won if he went through the full season. His MVP season before he got hurt and a year that looked like they were going to win this Super Bowl. Everything that stopped this team from, like, progressing in the playoffs from that point after that season has been drama, right? The image of the Raiders, all the offseason issues. That's really one of the main things that's kept this team, I think, from winning a playoff game. Because they've had some really talented teams since then. You know, talented enough, I think, at least to get out of the first round. And Josh McDaniels has come in and cleaned everybody. First of all, he had no problems getting rid of all these busts and all these terrible, terrible, players Jonathan Abrams, Alex Leatherwood. These guys aren't even going to make football teams this year. That's how bad they were. He had to spend a full season, him and Ziggler, just getting rid of the garbage from the last regime. And now finally this season he's getting his own guys. But – But I got a little too far ahead of myself. Jimmy G, he's cleaned up the image, right? Jimmy G has a big reason for that, too. This guy, you know, he had his one off-the-field issue, but come on. That's just, like, old garbage that people bring up when they don't understand football. Jimmy G is a guy who everybody loves. He doesn't bring any controversy with him. And Derek Carr, while he wasn't the name of controversy, he did a little bit. He had his time a little bit. He said this. They said that. A lot of drama. But everything kind of came to Derek Carr. He was a part of this old Raiders you know, team roster That was marred with drunk driving all over the place, Josh Jacobs included. Okay, we know about the famous one with Henry Ruggs. It's over now. We're not talking about that stuff anymore. In fact, we get interesting stories from training camp for like the first time, I think, in 10 years. It was Antonio Brown. It was Henry Ruggs. It was always something. Jimmy G, I think, is going to be so good for this team just to bring a little bit of stabilization. No drama. This guy's here to play football. Brian, what do you think of Jimmy G in terms of this team? Is he going to be an upgrade over Derek Carr? I say yes, 100%. You know,
1: I, like you said, Spencer, I like the comparison. I, I don't think Jimmy G is is head and shoulders a a better quarterback than Derek Carr. But, yes, I think the change is going to be good for this team. I think it, it, it – alleviates any excuses Josh McDaniels can have because now Jimmy G is his guy, a guy that he's got familiarity with, and and I think he makes it or breaks with it. What Chris Chapman said as well about Jimmy G having trouble staying upright, that's been a problem throughout his career you know, this this Raiders offensive line is a bit makeshift. So I don't know if he's gonna be able to do that all year. Then you got Brian Hoyer behind him, but I really think we all kind of got a little bit enamored with Aiden O'Connell and his ability, his arm strength, his pocket presence, his ability to read defenses as a true rookie, really, really like that. As far as Jimmy G, the answer goes, Overall, yes, I think he'll be an upgrade. I just don't think the Raiders are going to be beyond, I think, six-and-a-half, Spencer. I thought it was fair. I would take the over. That might even be a little bit now of a homer in me, but I don't think they win many more than seven games. I want to throw it back to you, Spencer, uh, any guys chime in on this as well when you talk about the rookies that made this team and around it the one that everyone was high on, and uh, and, and chris just mentioned and michael Mayer, who really looks to be a po- potential a millennial type of tight end like one of those guys that could eventually be in the category of uh, travis kelsey Mr. a george kittle uh, mark, mark edwards this is the type of player he has the potential great hands, a big guy. guy, an ability to block. I like him. But, you know, when I talk about the rookies, and this is what I want to hear from you, Spencer, who is going to have the biggest impact on this team next year? I think, to me, it's going to be the, in the defensive secondary, a guy that nobody's really talked about at all, a guy that is going to start at the left cornerback position. That's Ja'Cory and Bennett. And if you don't know much about Ja'Cory, and you probably shouldn't, he was picked in the third. Uh, 104th pick overall and he went to Hutchinson Community College and he's going to start for the Raiders as a true rookie this year that's Mm -hmm. really impressive I'm amazed no one's really talked a lot about this guy and in my opinion he will be rookie of the year for the Las Vegas Raiders this season
0: well, I, I think it's going to be Tyree Wilson, 100%. So uh, I think watching this guy in preseason in one drive, he was moving linemen. He was picking them up like they were like little receivers or something. I mean, that's just like incredible. <laughs> this guy has so much power. It was really cool to see. But I just want to very quickly um, jump over. If you guys want to talk about the rookie too, but I'm really curious to know from you guys, before we go into next week and do a full game preview for the Broncos, is Jimmy G an upgrade over Derek Carr from last year? Yes, he is a slight
3: upgrade. I think he is.
1: Okay, Mags, we got one side. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I, I I, think he's a little bit better as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you there. So we'll take a look. I mean, I can't wait for next season. I can't wait. But I want to say also the linebacker room is probably the worst in the NFL, and it is going to be the reason the Raiders don't make the playoffs. They have absolutely nobody there. I like Spillane, but after that, I like absolutely no one else. But that's it. We're running out of time here. I really appreciate both Chris is being on Magnum, obviously producer. Okay, Chris Swain also joins in. Always appreciate appreciate him coming on the show. Brian in Costa Rica, it's really cool that you're able to join the show. Can't wait for you to be back. I can't wait Pura to check vida. out the new studios last week. We'll be here uh, same time next week, uh, Sunday eight to nine. We'll see you guys next week. Bye bye.
2: Stay up to date with the latest from the NHL and the Vegas Golden Knights.